Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now imagine it was full of highlights and notes in the margin and you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is the Notable Podcast. These are the discussions of twin pastors who share their underlining and highlighting. This is Season 6, Strengthen Hearts, a podcast on First Thessalonians. What we're really here to do today is to move into podcast number three, right? (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I have a lot to give thanks for today. And one of the things I have to give thanks for is a scripture that starts out giving thanks. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing is um, I've been getting on calls with um, our government. Our New York City government's been pretty good at including people um, during the pandemic uh, in, in the response. And what the, it, it, inevitably what happens every single time is one of these healthcare workers will get on and talk about to the clergy of the city um, practicing gratitude. And so like even what I'm saying is even secular people um, recognize the power of gratitude. And the one thing that I find interesting is they never tell you what to be grateful for. What are we supposed to be thankful for? But what they always tell you is that during these times is to get enough rest and to practice gratitude. Has, have you, have you run, run into this kind of thinking too? Absolutely. You know, I always think when you think about gratitude and Thanksgiving that well, I did a, I did a, I'm thinking back to teaching I did at church because we're going to have to talk about this later in First Thessalonians 2, but gratitude, um, the world doesn't know exactly what to give gratitude for or to whom gratitude should be shown. Because <laughs> to be grateful is to, is to actually, you know, to say thank you to somebody, right? You can't... <laughs> Like, what are you, are you, if you don't know God, what, what are you grateful to? You know, it's not just about what you're grateful for. There has to be, um, like, who are you sending the thank you note to? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I guess I'd never thought about that. That's interesting. And of course, you know, to connect this up to what we're talking about today, just so that um, we, <laughs> we understand that we're not just talking about gratitude for gratitude's sake, but the apostle Paul, um, he's, he's practicing gratitude, but not in an empty kind of way and not in a directionless kind of way. I, I mean, what, here's our hope today. This is our hope. I think it is Jonathan. You correct me if I'm wrong, but we want to cover two verses. <laughs> you can we do it in an hour or less <laughs> we'll see we're gonna try we're gonna try there's they, these these verses are like an ocean and a thimble though and so everybody has to be a little bit patient with us i think because here's gonna... an ocean an ocean or a thimble it, um, it's like trying to to stuff a family five into a new york city apartment 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. They always have those on those metro trains, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but listen to these words here from First Thessalonians chapter 1. We, we looked at verse 1 last time, and we really um, spent time dwelling on what, what was called the prescript of the book. So the Apostle Paul hadn't really started talking in the, in the body of the letter, and what we're going to do now is 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 pick up uh, his first really um, whole part of the body of the letter here. And so here's what he says: He says, "We always thank God." There's the gratitude for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the verses that we're going to look at today. And basically, we're going to take the teaching today, uh, and we're going to break it down into, into three parts. We're going to look at thanksgiving, and then we're going to look at remembrance in the Christian life. And then finally, uh, we're going to look at endurance in the way that hope and endurance relate to each other. So we're just going to take this, break down this text in uh, in order here, and we're going to start with Thanksgiving, because that's yeah, what Paul starts with. I think that's right to do, and, and um, w- right away we have to kind of note, like, how do you give, and one of the big questions is, how do you give thanks underneath difficult circumstances? And the book of Thessalonians is really a manual on that. It's really a guide. Because here the Apostle Paul is thankful, um, even though he's, he's been tossed out of the, the city of Thessalonia. And if you just go a few verses down the way in verse 6, um, you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering. So he, gratitude in the middle of severe suffering. And then, of course, like just to tie up, into the end of the book and and we'll come back to this right but here's what paul says at the end of the book rejoice always pray continually and and this is this is the traditional thanksgiving sermon this is the traditional thanksgiving sermon and every pastor says it like it's easy to give thanks on thanksgiving but what about what about during a pandemic stuff like that give thanks in all circumstances he says for this is god's will for you so this is a big deal like and this is a very heartfelt call um not 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 even a call but this is this is what paul practiced you know he's he's writing this letter and it's his spiritual practice the way he begins we always you know not every once in a while always thank god for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers it's yeah, a big deal. The Christian life is absolutely thankful. And I'm using that term absolutely in an absolute sense. <laughs> our our Thanksgiving is not tied to our circumstances. It transcends our, our circumstances. And we can always give thanks. And it, it's it's important to understand why we can give thanks. Um, and and <laughs> maybe we can plow into that just a little bit that one we can say there's always something to give thanks to god for always something 
even even if I'm on my deathbed, I can give thanks that my soul is going to be going to God wrapped in the blood of Jesus. So there's not there's not a single circumstance that you can think of. If you can be on your deathbed um, thinking about uh, what you have to give thanks for, that's amazing. Like I I, w- I was talking to a man. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was. This was a person um, who has some very legitimate fears, and um, when it when it comes to coronavirus, um, because he suffers from asthma, and there's some underlying conditions and stuff like that. And this individual was describing how he could imagine himself uh, being in an ER without his family, and dying, and still be thanking God knowing that he was his father was with him so it's an amazing thing to think about yeah gratitude right and this in a christian like was that. living it out well yeah, i want to just build on what you said i mean to to be thankful in in every situation means that uh our thankfulness cannot flow from our circumstances right we can't, we can't look and be like, oh, I got this new job or, oh, I lost my job on the other side of it or, oh, I'm getting married or, oh, you know, it, we can't depend on outward circumstances for our thankfulness, for our hope, for our faith. I mean, that's the whole point of, of the Christian faith. Our thankfulness primarily flows from who God is, his essence. And anytime we take our, our eyes off of Jesus, well, I mean, I, I know this from personal experience. We'll, we'll find lots of reasons to not be thankful. But when we remember who God is, who is, who he truly is for us as a redeemer, as a savior God, the God who raises people from the dead, um, that's where thankfulness uh, comes from. So... Well, not, only, not just that, though. Not just that. I mean, Paul, just to move into his thankfulness, um, he's, he's giving thanks for people, for, for Christian faith, which we're going to look at in a second. So we can give thanks for um, people who are with us through thick and thin, right? Um, and we've seen and, that. Yeah. We've seen that. In I, I think we have to build this out a little bit farther. It's not just it's not just giving thanks because of who God is, but also uh, we give thanks for who God is in relationship to us. Mm-hmm. See, one of the things that kills Thanksgiving quicker than anything else is believing that we deserve better. You know, G.K. Chesterton, he had a great quote. He said, why do bad things happen to... To, he at, people always ask this question, right? Why do bad things happen to, to good people? And he changed the question. He said, why does anything good happen to us at all? You know, what? We, don't, we don't deserve anything. It, yet God is continuing to shower things on us. When we enter our lives um, with God entitled, believing that we deserve better, um, whenever, whenever we don't <laughs> thinking that that we deserve the sun and the moon and the stars and um, thriving all the time, and then one little <laughs> one little thing happens and we go, oh my goodness, 
the sky is falling and, and uh, we get all depressed and angry and stuff. But if we, if we instead said, you know what, I don't, I, I don't, I don't deserve anything. I deserve less than nothing, you know, and we're going to look at the wrath of God in first Thessalonians because Paul brings it up. I deserve less than nothing. And then we look at our lives and go, oh my goodness, I have so much more than nothing. I have, I, I get up and I drink coffee in the morning, like, and, and I live in this beautiful place and, and the trees are so, I'm looking out the window right now, so beautiful. And, and I get to talk to my twin brother about giving thanks. And I, I mean, mm. God is, he's so good. So Thanksgiving, the key to unlocking Thanksgiving is, is, is not only knowing who God is, but also knowing who you are in relationship with God. Mm. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. A lot of oh, so much that we could say about about Thanksgiving and pre- learning to practice gratitude um, for the right reasons, not just empty gratitude like um, to a nameless God, but to the Redeemer God um, who sent His only Son for us. But that you're right. Is, we, yeah. If we want to learn to thank God like Paul does then we better talk about thanking God for people. <laughs> yeah. We better I, talk about that. Yeah. We think because he's think he's thinking he's, he's on his knees and um, primarily that's how he practiced gratitude, by the way, <laughs> he would, he, his gratitude would well up to God and he's thanking God, not only that he saved him, but, that he saved the Thessalonians and put him into this unique and special relationship um, that would endure into all eternity. And he's praying he's, continually, yeah. unceasingly. And by the way, just stick a stick a little flagpole or a geo tracker in this because we're going to pick this up in First Thessalonians five. But here you have Paul continually praying. Um, prayer unceasing is something that we're going to have to pick up and talk about more. But here he tells you exactly what he's unceasingly praying about. It's actually the same Greek word here, this unceasing mm. prayer. And he says that he's praying about people with thanksgiving. Now, um, I, I'll, <laughs> that's interesting because you can pray about people in other ways too. <laughs> <laughs> Father, remove them from my life. From my <laughs> <Yeah. head>. <laughs> <laughs> Please fix them, make them better. You know, they're they're really wrecking my life. For, but this is not Paul. You know, he's continually mentioning these Thessalonians in his prayers with thanksgiving, and that tells you a lot about what Paul thinks is important and what Christians, uh, what we get to think is important. He's not. He's not necessarily praying about money here. He's praying about people. Yeah. Uh, for Paul, this is at the top. And this connects to a, are, are you ready to talk about remembrance or you got more on Thanksgiving? Because, well, I, I do, I do think we should just talk about it, Maybe just ask the question, like, how, how, how are we all doing with this? How are we all mm-hmm. doing with this? I, I think there's, there's room for us to ask, like, is there is there balance in my prayer life? Am am I um am I kind of being a whiner right now, or <laughs> am I praying thankfully to God right now? And and it, look, we can we can bring our needs to God. God 
wants us. He calls for us to 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 do this. And and I, I'll even point out here too, because some people here are going to be convicted by what we're talking about. I know I am. And there's a note of gospel in here. It says he's doing this before our God and Father. You know, mm-hmm. this is a God who is our Father. He's our Father. He didn't just make us. He sent us Jesus and made us his children. So we are forgiven, loved children of God. And we can crawl onto his lap and with a balanced prayer life and give thanks and seek him. I love what, I love what um, our, the, our catechism has. Um, call upon God's name in every trouble. Pray, praise, and give thanks. Very balanced. Very balanced. Second commandment. Yeah. yeah. And I, it, it reminds me of that, that acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. What acclamation. So you acclaim God as Lord, as Savior, um, confession of sins. You know, I, I haven't been as thankful as, as really I'm called to be or could be considering. And um, then the T is thanksgiving and then supplication. Uh, yeah, it's kind of basic stuff, but it's, it's actually really hard to practice. Paul so did. we got Thanksgiving and that, and then we got remembrance because the apostle Paul goes on and he says, we remember, we remember. And I think, I, I don't know, Timothy, I, I think we need to talk about that for a while. Actually, I do know we do need to talk about that for a while, especially because I think we've outsourced a lot of our memories to Google, um, Google Photos, Facebook memories. <laughs> there's well, not yeah. whole, sometimes there's not a whole lot of remem- remembrance going on. Yeah, re- so you know, there's remembrance in general where, and and this is a big biblical theme. I, you know, I was just reading again this morning about um, Passover in Exodus and how the father was to sit with his children and remember with them the great acts of God and in, in, in what he's done for, for slaves and for people who need a redemption remembrance. And, and of course, Passover ties into the Lord's supper where we are called on to do this in, in remembrance. So there's like, there's this general remembrance of God, of, of his covenant, with us those that kind of remembrance and then there's this more narrow remembrance of our relationship with people and this is a big deal because if you remember god wrong or if you remember your remembrance is skewed um to neighbor friend brother and sister in christ and and you remember only the the, the sins against you, um, work that back, and you'll have a hard time giving thanks. This is, you know, there's a strong connection there. Just to flesh this out a little bit more, what what is memory? Memory is so much more than just um, a, a fact, a statistic. Memory is taking something from the past and bringing it into your present in such a way that you're, you're, you're activating that experience. And what I mean by that is you're actually 
in your in your in your imagination you're seeing it you're you're smelling it you're um touching it um we humans have this ability to to go back um with our minds and with our hearts and re-experience an event and so memory is a way for us to bring the past into the present and when we do that uh inaccurately or wrongly like you say um in relationship with god um we're not gonna we're not gonna know how he's gonna act in our present and we'll be fearful and we'll be anxious and um, similarly when we do that to people um we can grow bitter and and angry against them and and instead what paul does and this is amazing and we we have to look at this the triads are huge in first thessalonians the apostle paul loves groups of threes in first thessalonians he does this on more than one occasion he's got a group of three here he says this is what he remembers before our god and father he says he's got number one work produced by faith okay number two labor prompted by love and number three endurance inspired by hope in our lord jesus christ now that third one we're actually going to do a whole um talk on but i'm just pointing out here we do have what some people call uh the great christian triad and there's a reason why like there's commentators like john calvin said about this this these these few little verses he said these are a brief description of christianity it's a nice little um nutshell of what is it that that christians do well they do these three things or they have these things get three gifted by god faith hope and love and even like the great scripture first corinthians 13 you have the apostle paul say there that in eternity like when this life is done, he says, these three are going to remain faith, hope, and love. And so we, we have this beautiful triad. And now, um, this is just sort of an aside for, for our listeners, but um, these kind of triads in Christianity are, are wonderful to notice. There's other places that they come up in the Bible, like, for example, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 22 to 24, you can check out, you have faith, hope, and love there too. You have the triad there. Um, it's also interesting uh, to look at the teaching of our Lord Jesus, because he, interestingly enough, he seems to have a triad too. His, his triad seems to be um, love, joy, and peace. He often, in the Gospel of John, will put those three into a triad. But here we've got faith, hope, and love. If you want to know what, what, what the Christian, what the gift of the Holy Spirit is in your heart, what that looks like, it's faith and it's hope and it's love. Yeah, I love, I love everything that you just said. And I just, I just want to notice this, that the, the Apostle Paul had the opportunity to, re, to remember things other than faith, hope, and love of the, the Thessalonians. And, and we know that, like, he, he could have remembered them for, for some of them being lazy, because uh, he's going to address that later in the book. He, he could have remembered them for, um, like we say in Spanish, I'm blanking on the English word, libertinaje. Like, uh, why, 
I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, it's Spanish funny is that your brain is you got libertinaje. Your, your memory is failing when we're talking about memory. But <laughs> oh yeah, that is kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like sexual freedom, you know, like the the whole 1960s thing. Oh, like yeah. apparently, yeah. The Thessalonians at least libertinism. Um, he needed to, yeah, libertin libertinaje. <laughs> yeah right right oh. but he he doesn't remember he doesn't remember those things he he remembers before god with thankfulness faith hope and love and maybe it's at this point we have to just recognize how hard this is to do we have a real problem with remembrance i i mean the the this is an, I read a book called The End of Forgetfulness um, by a Yugoslavian Christian man. Um, he's actually a scholar at Yale now. But he, he talked about how he was um, imprisoned by this communist government, and he was literally being interrogated every single day um, because of his Christian faith. And he, he ran the scenario throughout this book called The End of uh, Forgetfulness. What if this interrogator was a Christian? And he had the hardest time um, remembering him, um, thankfully, uh, with hope and faith and love in mind. And he wondered how this is going to happen in heaven then, where people who have sometimes done us the greatest amount of harm um, will all of a sudden be in close relationship again. See, because what we often remember, and it's just human nature. Instead of, we can very easily forget people's faith, hope, and love. Like it, it goes unnoticed. But when somebody hurts us, maybe it's just, maybe it's, it's a harmful word. Uh, maybe it's something they actually did to us. We have the hardest time in the world um not to recall that well it's, let me let's this is make some, really hard to do this is hard to do very hard to do and we need to make some applications first of all to the modern environment in general but then to this environment in in particular because i think the problem intensifies actually you know Every age has become con concerned that we're losing our power of memory. Like, for example, when books um, were invented, everybody freaked out, you know, like, oh, no, um, all of knowledge is going to be put into a book and people, uh, people are going to forget. And, and to some extent, um, that, that maybe is true <laughs> because people, it used to be that people had incredible oral memories. You know, because people didn't have the Bible, they memorized it. Ancient Christians would have massive chunks of the Old Testament memorized. And like, for example, Psalm 119 is an acrostic, so that it's easier to memorize. The stories in the Old Testament are written in such a way that they... They, when they're read orally, they can be remembered. And so 
when the when the book was invented or or at least um began to uh make books became more accessible um there was that concern that orality would decrease and that's that that has been the case a little bit and and even now and i would there's been a lot of different technologies that have been invented especially maybe in the last 50 years or so especially with the rise of the internet and there's a lot of i think we're still discovering timothy like what is the impact of that on memory you know melanie and i make jokes about this but it's not really funny like we'll we'll be like i have internet brain <laughs> you know like you just go look it up on google where where before you had to memorize it you memorized your mom's phone number you know even maybe you and i i remember that like when i was a little kid i had to memorize like our home address and i had to memorize uh, our mom and dad's phone number and stuff and now you just look it up on the internet you know <laughs> yeah so so we we have a problem with memory for sure so there's memory in this environment it, and we can think about that like are we i think there's tension for 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 all of us like are we offloading memory too much and so there's a problem in the modern environment i think that that gets intensified though in an environment like this like how how many how many relationships have tanked because of an email you think like i'd <laughs> i'd yeah. you know i don't even want to think about that or because of a text or a family divided because of and it, it what's interesting about what paul is doing here is he's he's very cognizant of the fact that he's using a technology here and he realizes that there's some things that this technology is not going to be able to do and we we have to give each other a lot of grace in an environment where all of us are relying on technology right now we we have to instead remember see when somebody sends you an email and you're like not sure what it means i always like to 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 tell myself to read it up you know what i mean by that just mm -hmm. read it up they they meant it well and i and i can do that because i'll be like oh i i know this person i remember this person that's how they'd really mean it if i was with them you know and so to for us to realize that the internet can is it's a double edged sword like it's it's an incredible asset you know we're using it right now it can also be incredibly dehumanizing mm -hmm. and when we remember that we can really use the tool well and the apostle paul's teaching us here how we can use it well we use it in connection with memory we remember who these people really are when we can see them in person by grace yeah and and who they are we remember them in the presence of god and and what he's done for them like paul does and, you know, it's interesting culturally for this whole remembrance thing and how he re remembers the Thessalonians for another reason, culturally, like, and this is, this is a relatively new thing, but um, the culture uh, is sending out constant messages to never forget. I don't know if you've noticed this. And it's always, these messages are always clustered around um, terrible things terrible things so um never forget this never forget that yeah so it, it, yeah so we put up monuments and uh, you know i'm in my own city and i want to say this sensitively and and with love and i'm not gonna you, you know i 
but we have to ask the question um, every 9-11, um, we pause and we all say, we say it together, never forget. And, and I, there's always a part of me that, that begins to wonder, like, I wonder what everybody means by that. What are we supposed to not forget? What is it about 9-11? And nobody's got an answer for it. In fact, every answer is very ambiguous and it's very uh, personal. Um, never forget, never forget what happened on that day. And it, depending on your culture, depending on where you're coming from, that's going to motivate you the way that you remember that day to do something. It, for some people, it's going to make you really, really angry. The fact, but we're being called on to remember. For some people, it's going to make them very sad. And yet we should never forget. So um, what does Paul never forget, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I think we have to, as Christians, we have to, we have to, instead of completely and utterly without thoughtfulness, buy into these cultural messages that we should never forget um, these certain events. I think we have to ask, well, what, what is it and why is it that we want to remember? And to get that right, to get that right is going to be really, really important to have a, a proper spiritual response, if that makes sense. There's a, there's, if we could sum this discussion up, I think what we're saying is it takes great Christian discernment to, let me try another way. Christianity, the life with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, it's, it's important to forget the right things and then to remember the right things. And, you know, I, maybe I, I think I think you could say it even better than that, because forgetfulness isn't necessarily the goal, but not to recall certain things. You see the difference? Mm -hmm. So not to actively call engage in your imagination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not to call it up. That's that that's something that we could say you know, set aside and say that doesn't do me any spiritual good to remembering think about that, that injury or that grievance or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But instead to remember what God has worked in them by faith and through the word of God. Right. Mm -hmm. So what Paul brings to mind is something that's going to help him spiritually and to remember faith, hope, and love is to rejoice in God and what he's done in the, in the Thessalonians' life. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. He's got this beautiful triad here, and he, he says, it's work produced by faith. Man, Timothy, I, I could go off on that for like an hour. <laughs> we both probably could. <laughs> man, when we, for example, like, when we pick up the book of Galatians, we'll have to pick it up for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for right now, it, it's important to maybe just say this, that a work actually is not a good work unless it comes from faith. Because if you're doing it, if you're doing it for yourself, because you're trying to get right with God, it's just selfishness. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it may look really good, but 
actually work is produced by faith. Faith always has to come first. And labor then can be prompted by love. See, love isn't love unless it comes from selflessness. And at any rate, I'm just, I'm just mentioning it here. But uh, <laughs> put a gloss on it, because what we're really trying to get to is, is, uh, is endurance inspired by hope, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're going Not on. that it's more important but, uh, than faith or love, because it certainly isn't. But, but endurance is a theme yeah. that, that Paul picks up heavily in this book. He's, he's going to urge the Thessalonians to hold on for the coming of Jesus. Yeah, and for good reason. And so uh, what we wanted to do, I think, is we wanted to do some definition of what endurance is, um, because nobody, (laughs) well, I shouldn't say nobody. I always say bombastic things like that. (laughs) Not nobody. I do too. We must be twins. (laughs) it's It's not, endurance is kind of despised, I think, these days. Like, um, I read it, I ran into this book not too long ago that talked about how quitting such a good thing. It's like a hot bestseller these days. Like yeah. just give up. Oh, come on. <laughs> Everybody's got this culture of um, this throwaway culture. Gonna, yeah. So throw away this, throw away that. Throw it away. It's no good. <laughs> There's no stain. <laughs> but endurance, endurance is hyper remaining. That's, that's what's at its base. It's, it's staying when it doesn't seem to make sense anymore. It's, it's, it's getting, it's keeping on when the, your pain threshold is telling you, pull off the race course, it's too hard, right? So in endurance, you can't actually endure <laughs> until you're suffering, right? Otherwise, it's not endurance. <laughs> Or you agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a lost virtue. You know, it's a lost virtue in our culture. Um, endurance. You know, um, I'm not, I'm not, it, it's interesting right now in this um, quarantine environment. And um, I'm not, I'm not debating the merits of the different policies out there. I'm really not. But it sure is interesting, like how quickly people are like, I'm not social distancing anymore. <laughs> it doesn't make sense for me anymore. There was it, 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 it there wasn't a whole lot of endurance in some cases. And <laughs> I'm not yeah. debating the merits of it. I'm just pointing out like wow. <laughs> that that sure didn't take long. There wasn't a whole lot of hyper remaining there, you know. Yeah, and you know, at some sometimes you have to just admit that it doesn't make sense like endurance isn't you have to be wise about how you practice your endurance. Like I was reading <laughs> some people, the grocery lines, at least in New York city are really, really long. And you go to Trader Joe's and it's like, an, you have to wait an hour just to buy Trader Joe's mer- merchandise. Like maybe, maybe you should, that's not a time to endure. Cause you could go to a different grocery store and pick up some, non-Trader Joe's things and you'll still be okay. But what we're really talking about is enduring in the right things. And of course, Paul's talking about endurance in the Christian faith. Yeah. And, and specifically he says that 
this endurance is powered by hope. Yeah. So there's a, there's, and so then we have to define hope. So we, we've defined endurance and there's a, there's a link endurance and hope like fuel each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a link. Um, hope is not optimism. I think it's important to point that out. Some people just have optimistic personalities and they're like, this is going to turn out great. And it won't. Right. That's optimism. <laughs> then some people are pessimists. Like they can see all the holes in the plan and all the reasons it's not going to work out. Um, that doesn't mean they're not hopeful people. It means they're pessimists. So um, pessimism and optimism are, that's not hope. Um, hope is not a wish either. Like some people, I think that in English vernacular, I think that's what people mean when they say, well, I hope that this, like, <laughs> I hope that this is over soon, you know, like, but nobody really knows. That's, that's, that's not hope. That's a wish, you know, I, um, it's not the same. Okay. Hope is actually that, that is based uh, and, and flows from Christian faith is, is certainty. It's, it's knowledge that in the future, um, this will end. This will end. And we will be with Jesus. Did you want yeah, to add so anything? He, yeah. God is, is putting this in ultimate terms then. It's, it's hope that's, that's held in heaven for us. And that's what makes it certain. This, this life, this, this time is full of uncertainty. It always will be. But our hope is with God, um, seated on the right hand with Jesus, the right hand of the throne of Jesus. And that's what makes it absolutely certain. And we, it, it, it's what makes Christians people who are always looking forward, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Christian faith is ultimately always eschatological. You know what I mean by that? It's, it's, always, it's always looking forward at the bright tomorrow, at the, at the future that we have with Jesus. And, and we, want, we don't want to hope for just coronavirus to go away. I mean, life wasn't, can we all just admit life wasn't that great before this either? Can we admit that? Can we be honest about that? <laughs> <laughs> it our hope rises so much further than that we want to be with god we want to be uh, in his presence um forever we we want to be in the new heavens in the new earth and and we base all of that hope on the fact that jesus rose from the dead for us you know what a lot of our problem is with hope is that um we are too rooted in the now we're too rooted in the present moment sometimes we care about it far too much and that's what it, things can be tough right now there's a lot of financial stresses for people some maybe maybe people are sick maybe people have lost loved ones and and when we're ro- only rooted and we only have a sense of the now um, that becomes overwhelmingly urgent to us overwhelmingly um, difficult for us to grapple with emotionally. Um, and so what, what, what Christianity does, what our faith does, is it makes sure that our horizon, our time horizon, 
is always so much bigger than this moment, this tragedy, this difficulty, this death. And instead, it's that life and that eternity and that horizon and that perfection. And we, so we always live in this, in this tension as Christians. Not that we disregard what's going on right now. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I'm merely just trying to go for balance between I'm a human being who lives here and now in May of 2020, but at the same time, my heart is not contained here. I have this unbelievable hope of the resurrection from the dead through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I, I, I think that's right on. And, and you kind of made me want to get on my bully pulpit for a second. And don't get me wrong. I'm not mindfulness isn't evil or anything like that. But if, if it's taken to an extreme and the only way that you can find peace is by telling yourself in your heart in this moment, I'm good. And you, and you have no concern whatsoever for the coming judgment and the wrath of God and your relationship with Jesus and what he's done for you. Um, you're like a person, and we'll talk about this. You're like, you're like a person who's, who's saying peace and safety, um, but your train is, is, is literally going over a cliff, okay? And practicing mindfulness, um, frankly, while you're going over a cliff is See, no, you're right. No, you're right though. So, peace. so hope's a big deal and, and the future's a big deal, I guess is what I'm saying. Peace we, this is and this is the thing. Like let me let me just let me just add to what you're saying, because peace peace um, come on. <laughs> like <laughs> peace is found not from thoughtlessness, which is what you know. It, what's interesting is is when people are advocating to stop thinking and then you can find peace. And Christianity is the exact opposite, actually. Christianity is start thinking and then you can find peace. And it, it's, it's the most thoughtful faith there is. Because what we're doing is we're saying, think out who Jesus Christ is. Oh, yeah. He died on the cross for my sins. Oh, yeah. He rose from the dead. Oh, yeah. I've been baptized into him. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get a new body someday. And you start to hope. And so uh, that's what I love about the Christian faith. It's not, that, it's not that we stop thinking, actually, in order to find peace. It's that we start thinking about reality in order to find peace. And that we're more rooted. It's not getting less rooted in reality, like I'm going to withdraw into some kind of like blank spiritual space inside myself, but rather actually fill the 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 volatile spiritual space inside of me with with the reality of jesus christ risen from the dead right come on let me loose world and (laughs) no and 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 this is how you endure because the only way that you can endure is to know that the pain will end It, it it that's the only way that you can stay in it is is this knowledge that it's worth it and I'm getting somewhere through it, right? And so the hope, hope and endurance work together. They, they're, they're like hand in hand. 
And as you know, we're going to talk about this and maybe we should right now, but as, as suffering rises, um, hope rises with it. Right. And I always think about this time, Jonathan, when we were run, running the Boston Marathon, we're going up Heartbreak Hill and oh you can boy. see, you can <laughs> see that. Yeah, I know. I had this a horrible moment. On, yeah. I had a horrible moment on Heartbreak Hill. Once. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Lost my lunch. But it was bad, you know, suffering suffering <laughs> is increasing and you and you get to the top of that hill and all of a sudden you can see this the, the what is it the sitigo sign or the sitgo yeah sitgo whatever yeah. and you're like that's that's the end mm-hmm. that's the end of the boston marathon and so right where suffering is the greatest you're like but i can do it and you know I, tim the so what... hope met um when, when everything inside of you is saying quit pull off the race course don't do it anymore i can't i can't do it anymore i only have this much left okay i i think what you're saying is is pastoral and so spiritually important because what you what you're showing about hope is that it's not just a vague spiritual concept it's it's something that is is rooted in reality that we should actually capture in images um these are what these images are what activates our hope and in first thessalonians chapter four um and then in first thessalonians chapter five we're going to give you concrete images of what we're actually hoping for meeting the lord in the air etc 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 the point here is this is not a vague hope uh this is not some just kind of vague concept but like you said, um, hope comes attached to images of what's going to come for us in the future. And I, you know, you, we ran all these marathons together and then um, you went to New York and I came to South Carolina and we quit and, <laughs> and we don't run marathons anymore and that's fine. But Too old for that. I remember <laughs> when we did run marathons, I remember that the what helped me wasn't like some sort of mantra, like I'm going to get there, I'm going to get there. But it was actually like thinking in my head about what I was experienced when I would get there. Even if it was something like, I'm going to hug my wife or I'm going to um, get a drink of water, a Gatorade, or, or I'm going to lay down on the ground. Like, like I'm just going <laughs> to lay down. But I could at least picture it, you know. And um, it, this isn't a vague concept. This is something that's comes attached with concrete images that we can take into our hearts and long for and yearn for and let that carry us through dark and difficult days. Did we just finish the verses? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. We did, we did just intend to do verses two, uh, two and three. Maybe I'll, I'll close by saying this. Isn't it beautiful to be a Christian? Faith, hope, and love. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. You know, the King of all, the one who, he's the Lord, you know, over death and, and sin and um, Satan, all of it. And when we look at him and when we see him as he is by faith, uh, 
our hearts respond in the power of the spirit, you know, and um, there's faith and hope and love. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about, um, there was this, this uh, 400 meter runner who his whole life, he was, he was training for the Olympics and I think it was in Barcelona. He, he, he was an American or a, maybe he's a Canadian. Anyway, <laughs> the gun goes off during the 400 meters in the Olympics and he pulls a hamstring and everybody thought he was going to quit. Cause that's what you do. Like you get hurt and like, you just pull off the racetrack and that's it. You know, your career's over or whatever. And, but this 400 meter runner gets up and he starts hopping around the track. He's like, he, he, he wasn't going to quit. But the most moving part of it wasn't the fact that he didn't quit, which I thought was really cool. It's, it's the fact that when he fell over again, his dad runs on the track and picks him up. Like I almost cry every time I watch the YouTube of it but his dad like carries him the rest of the way. Um, he wasn't wanting to quit, but he just didn't have a strength anymore. And sometimes it's like that for us where, where we just need, we need our father to come and I, I pulled my hamstring father. I can't anymore. And he comes and he, he's just not ever gonna quit on us. Faith, hope, and love. If you are moved and you want to support this ministry, please go to www.thenotablepodcast.com.